Well, good evening, Christ Church of the Heartland. Wow. Y'all y'all knew I was coming and you still showed up. That's awesome. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you. Um, first things first, I, I want to just first give honor where honor is due. Our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who has made a way for us to live the victorious life that he intends. Second is I want to thank Pastor and Miss Diane for accepting me in, loving me, and allowing me to be here, and then turning over the pulpit for me to speak tonight. Pastor Val and Miss Sherry, thank you for your words of encouragement and your love you've showed to me as well. It's meant a lot. I don't see him, but I want to shout out to Chad. I, I see Miss Ashley back there, and you know, uh, so, but it, Chad's hiding back. Oh, I see a hand in the air. Okay, all right. So um, I, I, I got to say this. Uh, you know, Chad and I have gotten to spend some time together here lately. Oh, wait a minute also known as Ashley's husband. Let's make sure. Okay, all right. So Chad and I have got to spend some time together, but Pastor's right. The first Sunday that I was here was the Sunday that you all walked camels and donkeys and lambs and goats and everything else through those back doors, and I was like, wow, it's awesome. Uh, don't you dare refer to me as a donkey walking through the door, okay? So, uh, but it, it was. it's one of those, like, okay, if you want to know what church you should be going to, I am fairly confident there was not another church real close to us that brought live animals in through the door and up to the front. I mean, it was, it was, it was incredible. Um, but the reason why I came here that Sunday is because of Chad and Ashley and their sweet little family that had been caring for my son and bringing my son here to Wednesday night programs for a little while, and when it came time for me to step out and look for where it was that I was going to be attending and listening, I asked my son, I said, would you take me to your church? Never for a moment underestimate the ministry that you may be providing, even if it's to the neighborhood kids, their friends, or just somebody that might be next door. You never know how you're going to touch or affect a life. And um, pastor greeted me shortly after I'd been here and I'm trying to figure out who I was and what I was doing here. And I said, Pastor, I just, I just need to sit here and, and sit under you for a little bit and minister, be ministered to. Um, it's a privilege to, to speak tonight. I, I, I want to share with you that the statistics that only God and Mark keep track of, okay? A year ago this week was the last time that I was in the pulpit. A year ago this week, actually, August the 9th was the last Sunday that I was in the pulpit. Yes, Michael, you've been a great encouragement to me in praying with me. Um, it was exactly a year ago. God is good, amen? I got to tell you, I'm as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. So everybody just stop rocking for a minute, okay? And don't be throwing any at me either. I, 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 um, so you'll just have to forgive me a little bit for some of my nuances that I'm just a little tight. Um, 
but I want you to do something with me. Would you, would you do this out of participation with me and out of an earnest meaning? I ask you to just lift your hand in the air and say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm here. I, made it. I made it. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. Open my heart and my ears to hear your voice. Amen. You believe that? Lord, we're here. We made it, and we just want to hear from you tonight. I have an amazing story. I have an amazing testimony to share with you, but I'm not going to share that tonight. Instead, uh, I, I believe that this is a leading of the Spirit at this time, you know, where we've been in, in talking about the harvest. It has been so impactful to listen uh, to what's been delivered here in, in the messages that have come forth and those that have come in and, and spoke to us. Uh, just it's it's incredible in in this moment in time, and I, I believe that the Lord is speaking to this body specifically. I, I said it back; uh, it's been a number of weeks ago. But you know, the the, the name Christ is not Jesus' last name. It it literally is an interpretation. It is a meaning of who He is, and that is the Anointed One. And I, I believe it fully that this church is anointed to minister to this region, to this area, to those that you come in contact with. It's, it's so vital that we get a hold of what's been speaking, that it is time for us to minister to. We've been anointed to minister to those that are in our sphere of influence, those that are, that are around us. Um, I want to look at something tonight that I believe lines up with that move, that, this harvest time. And it's a, it's a miracle or it's an event that's recorded in the Gospels that, that I think sometimes we go past really quickly. And, and uh, there's one specific part of it I think we look past r- real quick. Although it's recorded in a couple of Gospels, I'm going to read it out of Mark tonight. I bet you can't guess why. <laughs> but um, I'm going to take you with me to Mark chapter 2. If you go there, I'm going to start in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum. After some days, and it was noised or it was talked about that he was in the house. Now, this house that he's in is actually Peter's house. So this is Simon Peter's house, and uh, so that, that, that'll be fun for a moment. But, but think about it. Jesus is at Peter's house. When he's in this area or this region, he's, he's staying with Peter. And immediately, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as even about the door. And he preached the word to them. And they come to him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was carried by four. And when they could not come near to him, when these four couldn't get near to Jesus for the, the, the press, the crowd that was around him, they went up on and they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. Um, One version says, Man, your sins are forgiven you. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Why why is he saying these things that are slanderous to God? Who, Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned inside themselves, he said to them, Why reason you these things in your hearts? 
Rather, it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he turns and he says to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go your way into your house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all in the sight of all of them, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen it in this fashion. This is one of those amazing stories that preaches really well even on a felt board. I just show my age by telling you that I've seen this done on a felt board before. All right. Some of you are like, what's a felt board? Um, Don't see me afterward to ask me about that, okay? One of the amazing parts in this story is when Jesus saw their faith. I want to just kind of spin on this just for a minute. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Great song, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, right? I'm just going to wait. I've said it several times myself, and I'm going to tell you there's nothing wrong with it in context. I think it's even meant with good intentions. It's, it's scriptural to wait upon the Lord. But, but what if this is the other way around? What if while we're waiting on God, he's waiting on us? He's waiting to see if our faith is more than just mere words. He, he, he's, he's waiting to see if we'll actually put our faith in him. He's waiting to see if we'll actually put our faith into motion. Or is it just something that we're going to sing the pretty song, right? We're we're going to sit right back there. We're just going to sing the song and go along with it. That's a great song. I love it. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I think sometimes we get very Christianese with that word. What we have to make sure that we're understanding is we have a role in this too. We have an action in this too. Wow, I can see you all. It's amazing. Right about here, I lose you all in the lights. That helped with the nerves. Let me step back another minute. So many times we fall into this little security blanket of just kind of being in a neutral place where I'm just waiting on the Lord. I haven't, I haven't gotten the answer yet. I, I'm, I'm just waiting on the Lord. It's okay. Yes, pray for me. I'm waiting for God to do something in my life. I'm waiting to hear from Him on what I should do. If there's one thing that's evident in the Bible, that throughout the entire Bible we find, is that God is a rewarder of those with a bold and audacious faith those that step out in it, those that seek him while they are in motion, those that have faith that he's going to move on their behalf. Let's turn this up just a little bit. Terry, you're going to like this. By the way, worship team, thank you so much. 
amazing worship. I don't know where everybody landed or set, but thank you for the worship tonight. But Terry, you're going to like this. Uh, I, I want to read from the Amplified version. You know, guitar players like amplifiers, right? Okay, so let, let's turn this up just a little bit. So when Jesus returned to the city, and a few days later, the news went out that he was at home, so many people gathered together that there was no longer room for them, not even near the door. And Jesus was discussing with them the word of God. Then they came, these four men, bringing to him a paralyzed man. He's being carried by these four men. And when they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had dug out an opening... Now, to understand in context, in this time, the, the, the roof of these houses was actually an additional living space many times. It was, it was a space where they could go up to, you know, early in the morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of like drinking coffee in the morning. I, I, I like that when it's nice and cool outside. Uh, go out and sit on, on the deck or on the porch. But this was a place where they could go in the morning or go in the evening in the, in the cooler times of the day. Um, the, the roofs were constructed in such a way that, you know, they had tiling on them, but then for an insulation layer, they would have anything from, from grass and, and, and branches and, and, and mud to, to pack that. They, they dig this thing out. This is Peter's house. They've just torn the roof off of a section of it and opened it up. Now, well, this doesn't say anything about where Peter's at at the time. Now, Peter's the one, remember, you know, he's, he's got the size 12 mouth. He's put his foot in his mouth many times throughout the scriptures. Where, what do you think Peter's doing? Peter's like, hey, what are you doing? I just had that roof put on. They're turn what kind of bold, audacious faith does it take to show up and realize you can't get there, and instead you're, you trash the place to make sure you can get in? Hmm. So after they dug out this opening, they let down the mat on which the paralyzed man was laying. And when Jesus saw there, and here's what I really like about turning up the volume with the Amplified. When Jesus saw their active faith springing from confidence in him. This wasn't just something that they mustered up. This was their active faith in him. They knew this is where the answer was. They knew this is where they needed to be. They knew that they had to get him there. When Jesus saw that, he says to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus immediately goes to the heart of the issue, doesn't he? These folks, in their heart, have reasoned that they need to get their friend to Jesus. And Jesus speaks to the heart of the issue here. For him, it's no small thing to heal this man. That's not the issue. Jesus is more interested in this man's soul than in his physical abilities. Hmm. 
God wants to see that our faith is more than words. He wants us to move and he wants to show himself in those of us with bold and audacious and active faith. It was awesome listening to Mark Acord as he was here the other night and telling us about, you know, in, in his job, how most of the time how he ministered to people was talking to them about how God was moving in his life. Not condemning them for their life or the way that they were living, but telling them what it is that God has done for me. And many times when there was a relatable story, when they were having an issue in their, their life, he would say, you know what God did for me when I had, was going through that? He shared with us many times the ministry that took place there. The active faith springing from confidence in him. This story is a prime example of it. And I love the twist here. The man in the bed, he, he needs a healing. He's paralyzed. And he can't do anything about it. He can't get there. He can't take off running to Jesus. Now, unlike Zacchaeus, he can't climb the tree to see Jesus. Unlike the woman that pressed through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, knowing she would be healed, he, this man can't do that. These four men. And the Bible doesn't tell us whether Jesus is acknowledging the faith of the four men that carried him or all five of them. It, it doesn't really even talk about the man that's in the bed uh, at, at that point and, and give us definition. And I, and I can imagine the guy in the bed in, in, in this way. You know, like, like, he's real excited. You know, like the kid in the wheelbarrow. Come on, let's go! Take me to Jesus! He wants to go. But unfortunately, I think I can see the other side of that too. He's been in this situation, he's been in this condition his entire life. He may just be laying there like, oh guys, come on. What are you doing? Just let me lay here. I'm comfortable. You know, I, I've got a little bit of a breeze coming here. I'm in the shade. Just, just leave me alone. You might be kicking and screaming a little bit. You know, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. So Jesus is dealing with a heart issue there. Uh, that, mm, maybe this guy's a sinner and he doesn't want to go to Jesus. Maybe he's got things in his life he's not willing to give up yet. Maybe he's, he's got stuff that he doesn't want to work through or get past. But in this time when we're talking about bringing the harvest in, let's think of it in this way. These four men carried him to Jesus. They did what it took to get him to Jesus' feet. I've sat back here and many times have watched how a couple of you have come around somebody and brought them to the front to be prayed for, to be ministered to. It's, it's the same thing. It's bringing them to Jesus' feet. There's many in this room that, that, that at, at times have brought somebody to church with you because you know that they, they really need Jesus in their lives or, or they need an answer that just can't be found 
anywhere else but at Jesus' feet. Hmm. Chad, are you ready for this? What's the vision? Bringing all people to the fullness of Christ. They've heard the name. They know there's something to it. Carry them in where the fullness of Christ can be ministered to. Bring them in where they can hear of a God that loves them, accepts them, and wants to minister to the heart of the issue and heal them from their disease. Maybe even just heal them from their dis-ease. They get there. They can't get in. It's too crowded. There's, there's too many barriers. You know, let's just try again another time. You know, he'll be coming back through the area. It just wasn't my moment. I just didn't feel it. Pastor didn't call on me. How, how many times is that excuse given? How many times can we can even disqualify ourselves in that many times, right? Well, you know, that kind of lined up with where I'm at, but maybe it just wasn't this moment. And you may have just missed that moment. When the Spirit of God is moving and working and has something specific to speak into your life. Rather than packing up, they're determined. They really believe that Jesus can heal their friend. And they refuse to settle. They tear the roof off of it. That's big action. That's active faith, right? I doubt that they showed up with tools to do this, okay? It, it was enough. Think of this. It, Four corners of a bed of somebody of some substantial size laying on, and they carry him there. They didn't bring tools and stuff with them. They used whatever means necessary. And they lay this man at Jesus' feet. I can't repeat that enough. It is so awesome. Their faith was more than words. Their faith was more than a pretty plaque on the wall. How many's got that really pretty plaque on the wall, maybe even hung in the bathroom or something where, you know, it just speaks to what faith is? This isn't something that's just framed and hanging there. This is something that they're moving and acting in. It was bold. It was in action. And it was working. So what is faith? You all heard it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's the conviction of things not seen. I, I love this chapter so much, I can't almost just glance by it. Is that okay? You all all right on time? Everybody okay out there? Would you all give me another minute if I need it? How many? Give me another minute. Let me see your hands. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got ten. We're good. Okay. I think I got a few more minutes yet here too anyways, so I'll just tack that on at the end. All right, so chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. 
And then it goes through this amazing hall of the Hebrews' heroes of faith. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated that he could not see death. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Ready? Here's the action step. For he, for me, you get to use yours, okay? So me. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, first and foremost, that he's God and that he is able, okay? Right? And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm telling you, there's a key right there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all this stuff is going to be taken care of and added unto you. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It says it right there. By faith, Noah moved with, with reverence, moved with fear. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, by faith he sojourned. Through faith also Sarah. Amazing part here in verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months of his parents. By faith Moses, now that was his parents' action, but by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused. By faith he forsook Egypt. By f- through faith he kept the Passover. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith... The harlot perish not. And what more shall I say, verse 32, for the time would fail for me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, all of these guys, right? 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight and turned to fight the enemies of the alien the armies of the aliens verse 39 and all of these this whole chapter worth of these great heroes of the faith all of them having obtained a good report a good testimony a good witness through faith brace yourself they received not the promise. You want to know why? God having provided or planned some better thing for me. You get to use yours too. Us, right? That they without us should not be made, it says perfect, but that word means complete. That we have a role in this too. That it's not just about what they did then. It's about what we're doing now as well. We can't just bank it and say, oh, you know what? All of these wonderful, wonderful men and women of God and all the things that they did and all the miracles that took place because of the faith that they had in God. Hey, you know what? God had something better for us. 
He dwells and lives inside of us, fills us with the Spirit of God to go and minister and move and to bring in the harvest and carry those to Jesus' feet that need to be. Without us, they're not complete. If you've got your Bible tonight, I might have you just do something with me real quick. I just got to make, make a point here. The Acts of the Apostles. We call it the book of Acts real quick and short and simple. But it's actually the acts of the apostles. It is the acts that they did. It's they founded the church, started the movement, began to share, made disciples. Those of you that have a printed Bible, or if you're using your electronic Bible, please make sure you stay on the Bible app. No Facebook or Snapchat at this moment. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 29. Uh, wait a minute. Hang on. Those of you that are still turning your pages, just look in the mirror for a minute. There are 28 chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, and guess who is chapter 29? See, they weren't made perfect without us. We have our role to play now. We are writing the 29th, the 30th, the 31st chapter. We are in this day and time to bring in the harvest. Chapter 12 of Hebrew, just finish with this way. Wherefore, seeing... We are compassed about, we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, that keeps hitting us, that keeps coming at us, that keeps knocking us down. And let us run with patience, with confidence, with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, the chief leader, the pioneer, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is faith? Man, if that doesn't sum it up for you, I, I need to sit down. Pastor Val, I'll let you have the mic now, okay? But I love, I love this definition of faith. Supernatural ability to believe God without doubt. Supernatural ability to combat unbelief. Ooh. That's the tough one. Oh, I got faith in God that he can do it. Oh, I wonder how I'm going to get this done. The supernatural ability... To meet adverse circumstances with trust in God's word. What he said he will do. 
And how about this one? An inner conviction that is impelled by an urgent and higher calling. All right, the YBH, the yes but how. How do we do this? We're hearing you, we're listening, but how do we, how do, we do this? Number one is fight the fear. You, you might even have to go hands-on, you know, hand-to-hand combat. You know, fight the fear. I got to stop. Allowing myself to fall into the pattern of disbelief. I got to stop allowing myself to disqualify God's role in my life. And more importantly, I got to deal with this rascal between the elbows. That's the hard one. This is the hardest disciple to make, okay? Because you got to get yourself in place. You have to take control of yourself. This is going to sound really irreverent, but forgive me anyways. When my dog wets on the floor, it gets a little something-something. You know what I mean? I'm not abusive, but i I, I got to like teach this dog, you can't do that anymore. When I find myself in a place of I am discrediting God's role in my life, I am falling into unbelief that I don't know if God can really do this for me or not, i got to take myself to the woodshed. You have to train yourself for battle, Right? Because the enemy's going to be standing there going, you can't do that. There is no way. And you've got to take control of that and rein it in and bring it in. You've got to fight the fear that keeps you from stepping out and walking in it. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, then what should we do? Walk in that abundance of life. Our part, the action that is required of us, our part of the power in our faith is moving. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And he's going to make your path straight. He's going to get you to where you need to go. He's going to take care of all the stuff that we can so quickly look at and go, oh, there's no way. If you're not doing something about what you believe, then you have to question if it's really faith. And, and, and just hang on with me for a minute here. Let me, let me just kind of stretch the bounds a minute. I've heard it said this way. If you believe that God wants you to have a new house or a new car, are you stepping out and shopping for one even though you may not even have the means to do so right now? We just heard a testimony about your brother Bob. He's shopping for a car. He's asking God, God, I I need a really good car, but this is what I've got to spend. And the testimony came out that somebody bought him a brand new car Bells and whistles and insurance too. If you believe that God has called you into the ministry, if you believe that God has a call on your life to help, to do, to serve in any way or fashion, I I, got to ask you this. 
Are you preparing? Are, are you studying? Are you trying? It's not all just about what takes place here and here. Some of the most important ministry that takes place in church is when somebody's at the door. When somebody's in here. The, the, the children that are up there. I'm telling you, the ministry to my son in this church was enough of a trigger for me to say, you know what, I need to go somewhere. I'm, I'm going to come here. Sometimes, wait a minute. I don't know if I've seen her tonight or not. And if she's here, I'm sorry, I can't pick you out real quick. Sometimes the ministry to the potties, making sure that there's, you know, that tidy paper, soap, paper towels, the trash being taken out. Those types of things... If you feel that you're called into the ministry from any level of it, that's a great place to start. Let's see your servant's heart. Serve. In this time of bringing in the harvest, it is something so important that all of these areas are ministered to. Pastor says, I got to land this jet. Well, I promise you, I only give one closing in every message. I'll get us there. (laughs) These four friends, their faith was more than words. We've already established that. It was bold, it was uncompromising, and it was one in motion. These four moved together in the same purpose. What if two of them wanted to take, go one direction and the other two wanted... What if two wanted to dig a tunnel under? If we're going to partner with each other in bringing in this harvest, we all better move in the same direction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The story ends with their friend being healed. But I think that that section of impact for us is when Jesus saw their faith. I say it like this, friends, can Jesus see your faith? Does he know you're believing him for? Just like these guys, our faith should be one that's visible and active. Let others see your faith. And again, sometimes it's going to take a couple of us putting our faith together. Sometimes we're a little weak, right? There's a few of you that I've come up to and said, I I just need you to pray for me. It's not that I'm I'm lacking faith, but right now my my faith might be a little weak. We need to come together. I'll flip back just a couple of quick pages here to Hebrews chapter 10, and I promise I won't read the whole chapter, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let's do this. Let us hold fast or firmly to the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. We just have to hold fast to it, right? 
And then watch this. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. Ooh, i got to stop there for a minute because you know what? Sometimes it's going to take more than one of us to get the job done. And those are those moments where we got to say, come on, give me some help with this. Come on, I need your assistance. Sometimes you might see somebody just warming the bench. Hey, it's time to put you in the game. Come on. Provoke them to love those that need to see Jesus. Provoke them to the good works. What has to be done? What, what needs to be taken care of around here? What do you see not being fulfilled? Provoke somebody. Hey, would you come along and help me with that? Verse 25, not forsaking, do not give up on the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But ready? Watch this. This was just shared with us. Dr. Smalley. But exhorting one another, encouraging one another. That was one of the words that came forward here, is that, that we need to increase our encouragement of each other. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Anybody see the day approaching? You know, we talked last Friday and Saturday, and that was a, a great weekend conference. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Pastor and Pastor Val and Chad and those that led us in that. But we talked about what the price of a, of a har combine harvester was. And we, we kind of threw around some numbers there a little bit. And we were like, you know, somewhere between $250,000 to $500,000, depending on what the options and, and the features are on it. But I'm going to propose this tonight, I'm, and now I'm closing. Think of it this way. That combine is a huge, powerful machine that can just go through that field and pull out the fruit that's to be harvested. But it's worth significantly less if if it isn't for the tractor and the wagons or the truck and the trailers to bring what was harvested into the barn. I think pastor's worth a million bucks. But you know what he needs from us? Is to bring those in that he can help us, he can lead us into ministering to them. It's our jobs. If you're sitting here waiting to watch who walks through the door, you, you're missing it. Your role, the word that Jesus told us is, go ye into all the nations. And sometimes the nation is just the one you walk through every day for your job. Maybe it's the neighborhood you live in. Maybe it's the friends and family that come into your house. It, it says, go and... Make disciples out of them, right? Share with them. If you're just standing here waiting for all of those to come through the door, it's time for you to go out and put your faith into action. Grab the corner of their bed, especially on Sunday mornings, and drag them in here. One plants, 
One waters, but ultimately God gives the increase. Live out loud in front of them. Let them see Jesus in you. Invite them in and allow Jesus to touch them and meet them here. I've had to be carried to Jesus. I have some really great friends that have helped me to carry my pallet, to carry my bed. I've even carried my share of corners too. Sometimes you have to carry people out of where they're at. It's time for us to carry the harvest in. In this time of harvest, you may have to carry their burden. You're going to have to bring them to Jesus. It's not for you to take their burden off of them. It is for you to show them where to lay that burden. In this time of harvest, it's time to have faith for your friend. Be the friend. In this time of harvest, let others see your faith. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. And you know what? He is faithful that has promised us he'll be there with us. I love you all. Some of you I don't even know but I love you with the love of the Lord. I'm here for you. And I know that there is a great church body that is here for you as well. Put yourself in the place right now of those that you may know that doesn't have somebody there for them. It's time to bring that harvest in. Pastor. Pastor.